Welcome to the VoxGig podcast. We talk to people in the developer community about developer relations, public speaking, and community events. For more details, visit voxgig.com slash podcast. All right, let's get started. Let's talk again about public speaking. In this episode, we speak to Danielle Krager, a speaking coach whose website happens to be remotespeakercoach.com. And that is exactly what she teaches, among many other things. Public speaking is one of the skills that always comes in handy when you're doing developer relations. And since it can be a challenge for many folks, it's important to realize that it is just a skill and you can learn it. In our discussion, we also turn our attention to remote events and the design thereof, and in particular, paying attention to the shorter attention span of remote audiences. You cannot simply lift and shift an existing event format work as a virtual event. Danielle has lots of great insights. One of my favorites from this discussion, the suggestion that you should be able to visualize all of your slides from beginning to end. If you can't do that, you've probably got too many slides. Okay, well, let's talk. Daniela, it is lovely to have you back on the Fireside with Box Gig podcast. How are you doing? How are things? How have things been in the last couple of years? Yeah, really good. Thank you, Richard. It is lovely to be back. What are two years? Um, but know, it I has, know. yeah. But no, it's um, it's been really interesting. I know it's been um, both challenging and tough, and uh, there's been lots of opportunities for growth in different ways for different businesses. But I am very fortunate to still be doing what I love to do, which is coaching speakers. And I was also very fortunate in that I'd already set my business up remotely, even called myself the remote speaker coach before COVID. So yes, still affected by changes to live events, but also happily positioned to be able to continue working with my tech clients and lovely speakers in new ways through online conferences and other opportunities. Wonderful. I mean, what a great name to have, right? Remote Speaker Coach. Just Yeah. You must be prescient or something. I have asked well, you... Yeah, it's funny. I mean, I got challenged on it when I picked it by some of my previous clients because I had a previous situation of the company that didn't allude to remote at all. And it was Ah. quite a split between some people saying, oh, that's a weird name. That sounds a bit cold. And but also being really well positioned for tech and getting great responses from tech who were already like looking at working remotely and in distributed ways. So well, it's perfect now, isn't it? Mm, Absolutely. Uh, Yeah, it's it's strange the way serendipity works like that in business. I have asked you back because... um, uh, the world has changed, um, but the stuff you do, uh, being a speaker coach and also helping people specifically around remote events and all that is even more relevant than it's ever been, especially for our audience of developer advocates. Um, but let's kind of wind it back just a little bit. Um, maybe, maybe you can tell us how you ended up being the remote speaker coach. Yeah, so I... My first situation of being a speaker coach came about through really practical reasons because I ended up being in so many scenarios working on all kinds of different uh, fantastic education projects and finding people who had brilliant skills, brilliant ideas would be wonderful when they had a coffee with me and were talking about their specialist subject area. And then I would see them present and I would see that it was just not a match for Mm. their potential. They would come across in a way that made them seem so much more 2D and stiff than I knew that they were. So I started really informally helping people with that skill set because it is a skill set that I've developed in all kinds of ways through training in theatre, through being very involved in debate school, like that I've had opportunities to develop that skill set. And it's not one that I find challenging. I can always develop it and become better, but 
it wasn't one um, that, you know, was unavailable to me. So I really enjoyed being able to help them with that skill set and then seeing the benefits when they would then go back to represent and be a much more engaging presenter. And when I saw how much of a need there was for that and also just seeing the rewards of people who found it so scary, understandably, because they'd been in different positions where they'd had a bad public speaking experience. They'd been expected to stand up and defend their thesis or pitch a new project and hadn't been naturally good at it. Understandable. It's a skill set like anything else. I'm not naturally good at throwing baseballs and I would need a lot of help if someone suddenly was like, hey, you know, here, we're going to play baseball. Quick, here's the ball coming at me. I wouldn't, I would be bad at it just because I haven't had the practice. I don't know how to break it down. I don't know how to hold the bat. I see um, public speaking in the same way. I don't see it as mysterious. I'm like, oh, it's no problem. This is just how we need to address this. This is the way you're already a fantastic speaker. This is where your ideas and skills are brilliant. And these are some gaps that we need to fill in because understandably, if you now stand up and speak pretty much without interruption for 30 minutes, it's going to need a different kind of structure. It's going to need some different ways of being framed. You're going to need to think about how we open, how we close, how we re-engage, how we keep things active. You are perfectly capable of doing all those things. It's just not something we necessarily know how to do naturally. So that was a really rewarding place to start. And because I also am very future-facing and love tech, it was quite a quick extension then to be starting to work with other people who are brilliant coders, who are brilliant designers, who are fantastic at managing their teams, um, and then would struggle when asked to then stand out publicly and present what they have inside their brilliant brains. Why do you think it's it's assumed that uh, public speaking is something that people just do? I mean, a lot of people's professional experience is their boss just throws them into it. Yeah. Right. Um, because it's not something you can just do. No, I know. I think it's a really unfair expectation. And I challenge managers on this all the time when they're uh, talking about people who work for them. And I will hear different leaders say about their team. They'll try, I think they're trying to be encouraging. They'll just be like, oh, it's just speaking. And we develop this, uh, I think, around things that we do frequently because we do all speak so much. We have conversations, you know, multiple times a day with our loved ones or our colleagues. So we kind of have this term speaking and be like, yes, we know how to do it. But it's completely different than when you put it into a different form in the same way we'd, um, you know, it's very uh, like an analogy is if we were like, oh, we all know how to write because we write emails and we sit down to write a book and suddenly it's much harder than we think because we don't yes. know how to structure it. We don't know what a, a chapter <laughs> yeah. is. So it's oh, yeah. just the same thing. It's just, it's, um, it's uh, yes, we all have facility with words, but as I say, it's not the same as having a conversation. When you take away that second prompt, you don't have a lovely person like yourself asking questions. We need to figure out then how to structure it. So I, I love, for example, talking about structure in public speaking, even though it's not the part that people always talk about. They say, oh, how do I take my ums out? How do I do this? And it's like a lot of the problems that we run into is because we literally don't know how to structure 30 minutes of us speaking without interruption or oh, 20 minutes yeah. or 40 minutes if it's a keynote, yeah. how to organize our ideas and convey them and do it in what is quite an unnatural form but also a beautiful form i i'll be quite cheeky i i'm 100 percent agree i'll be quite cheeky i'll ask you about a specific problem i have (laughs) so um the structure thing yeah is really really important um you know when even if you have a you know 20 or 30 slides or whatever it is you have different sections that you move through and you take away from one to the other uh but a specific problem that i have is uh i I keep talking about the subject of the next slide. So that by the time mm. I've 
by the time I pop up the next slide, I've already said everything <laughs> to do with that right. slide. Yeah. Um, and it really annoys me because it's kind of like, oh, right, okay, well, um, I'll just move to the next one then. And it looks a bit naff. Yeah. Mm. And so, and, and how many, well, I have lots of questions about that. That's what I do <laughs> as a coach then, is I take it apart to try and find out where the fundamental problem is. So questions that I'd be asking is around how many slides you have in your slide deck and why and what the purpose of the slides is. So we could find if they're, um, if they are contributing in the way that you want them to. Because for example, lots of speakers lead, lean on slides for information. And then right. actually they find they know the information better than they think. And like you say, they've already given the information, get to the slide, and then it's a duplicate. What we're trying to do is I, I treat them as separate channels that the audience is receiving. So the slides is like a visual channel that could have images on it. It could have words, you know, it could be quotes, it could be statistics, it could be a, it could be video, like, but that's one channel that the audience is going to be taking taking in and you and your body and your words is a separate channel and we need to organize the information so that they are supporting each other not competing with each other and what I often then find is when I look at a speaker's slides and I look at their information there's either too much duplication or there's duplication with just minor differences that are actually confusing for the audience or the slides shouldn't even be there because the speaker's trying to use them as a memory prompt. So we go, we go through each channel, figure out what its job is and how to strip it down to what it needs to be, what works for the speaker, what works for the audience and how to put it back together. So with you, I definitely want to go through your deck and and find out why uh, why it looks the way it does. You might be like, no, it's, it's great. That's there to make it more memorable for the audience. That's there because actually I want to anchor that statistic in their brain that's very important that's there because this but we might find there's a whole bunch of slides in there that we take out because it's just like oh I got used to having three bullets there or oh yeah no that's just information that seemed interesting but it's actually too much okay yeah so, okay so I mean I'm, I'm just to continue to abuse my position as host <laughs> I'm just thinking of the very last talk I gave right so yeah the structure would have been um it, it was a 40 minute talk, right? Uh, and it was actually a live one. Um, yeah. The structure would have been uh, in in thirds. So the first kind of third mm. would have been a context, contextualizing the problem, the problem yeah. statement effectively. The middle section would have been working through aspects of the solution. And then the, mm. the final section would have been just bringing that together in terms of practical applications. And it was the middle section that was problematic because that was yeah. effectively just a list of aspects of technical aspects of the problem mm. and um that's where i kept getting ahead of myself right because effectively each every two or three slides was just some just like a technical aspect mm. um and of course you get enthusiastic and you go on to the next one <laughs> and you realize all yeah. right yeah no i've already i just did that <laughs> yeah Oops. And why, why, uh, what is it that you're showing on your slides? Like, is it, um, when you say it's the technical aspect, it like, would you be able to, for that middle section, go through every slide? And if I ask you like, so what's the purpose of this? Would you say that all of them are really helpful to the audience? Uh, so, I mean, I would have been a bit, uh, stuck for time and I would have kind of thrown them together on the plane and in the hotel and uh, reused some from previous mm. decks, right? So that's, maybe mm -hmm. that's part of the problem because I'm just yeah. plonking in stuff from a previous deck that may not be 100%. Um, the, the content of the slides themselves would have been um, mostly just stick to sort of uh, short sentences, that type mm. of thing. And, and a, it, you know, a, a 
some sort of evocative diagram of some kind. Mm. Um, yeah. But, you know, when you have this list of things, you get, yeah. you, you start saying, oh, and this then implies something else, and then mm. uh, you get carried away, and then that's actually the subject of the next slide. Yeah, yeah. And so it is part of the, that's why it's really good to work with someone else, even if it's not a, a coach, a colleague, is, is to do that streamlining. Because as I say, it's very common with speakers that they will pull, re, they will like want to repurpose decks, which yes. is no problem. But it's the same thing then, whether it's um, that or whether it's, you know, you're pulling things from a report or a project, it's pulling in too much and then having them there and then not streamlining enough. A lot of my job as a coach is to help speakers cut, 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 streamline, essentialize, because that that those slides really are to support what you're saying. And often it is just too much. So it's almost impossible. If you think of like quite a, I'm not saying yours is, but often I will, there'll be like quite a cluttered visual channel of the slides and then the speaker trying to like weave in and out of them and we just end up with things bumping up against each other whereas if it's really essentialized often I'll challenge speakers to reduce it to just three if they've previously had six like I'll get them to cut it by 50 percent they can always put back in if they want to but when we essentialize then we it's we're starting from like the the skeleton of what's most important and I'll say you can put it back in but once it's streamlined it's much much easier then to get those two channels flowing because if you think about it being two channels and now you're trying to fit your words with it you've got kind of that less competition and everything you you know the value of why it's there and I would want I always check with the speakers I'm like can you visualize all your slides or is it a surprise when you see them uh, and the way you're uh, describing uh, it it sounds uh, like yeah. it's it's a bit of a surprise which is understandable again if I had question. 26 slides and I was going through <laughs> I'd be like oh but like you want it so clear in your head that you're like I can see that like sometimes I'll call them acts act one act two and act three that's just from screenwriting but it's the same as having a first second and third that middle section like can you visualize can you like imagine pulling it up in powerpoint or keynote and like visually see each of those and why they're there and what the transitions are between them and if you can't then it's still a little bit cluttered and you will be surprised when slides come up that's fabulous advice yeah if you can run through them in your head yeah from start to finish yeah it's not going to happen anymore yeah no no or if you wow. and okay, and even one. if people that's aren't using one. slides and they're doing um and they're doing it um with words and then they're bringing in some live coding i will still i will get them to simplify 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 so that they can't go wrong with the absolute like basics i'll be like count out on your hands for me what's the points like in your first section what are the three things that you're essentially saying and then of course you can expand you can make it more complicated but you know you're saying this this and this and sometimes it, it does seem reductionist but when we have that like reductionist approach then we can have the nuance we can do more fancy dances we're weaving things in we can tell stories we can and um, bring in like a nice live coding example but we can like hold the whole map the other thing that i say if you if you haven't done it is i do recommend speakers like literally even if they don't consider themselves to be a very visual person to draw out their talk on one page so that they can see the whole thing in front of them so that it's literally like if you, if you know you're really great on your intro just write intro um you know the context uh talk about this this and this like these three points but that middle section that's when it really flags up like if you can't draw it out and just be like no it's just these three circles where I identify okay it's nine problems but essentially it's only really three key ones with these subsets like simplify it simplify it put it all on one page so you can see the whole map like you're a you know, a bird's eye view looking down on it. You can see the whole map and talk me through it in five minutes and be down like, Danielle, this is my talk. This is what I do. This is the intro. This is the context. Just these 
technical things. I bring it to life in this interesting way here. This is where I tell this story. This is where I show this example. This is where I do this case study. And then I wrap it up in this way. Like when you can be at that level, it makes it much easier uh, to kind of bring it to life on a stage in a more nuanced, complicated way. Yeah. And it's not a huge amount of extra effort. It's, it's just, just, I know it's, it's time, the, but it's just, no, but it, I mean, the, the, the thing is that in terms of the value that you get out of that exercise, yeah. It's, it's a much less time to doing the blessed slides in the first place. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so it's, I, I, actually, that brings me to another, um, and again, I'm being so selfish, but it brings me to another, uh, another, <laughs> another challenging thing, which is emceeing events, right? Because yeah. uh, we recently started a, a virtual meetup for uh, developer relations. And that means, you know, we have a streaming service and I host it. Um, wow, it's really difficult because if you're sitting at your desk in front of a in front of a laptop. Mm. And I because I, I did used to host and run live meetups before. Uh, even if there was only 10 people turned up, it was still a very different vibe and, and really friendly, right? Because it was a community thing. Um and I just like, and for those meetups, I never needed notes. I could just mm. ad lib and if I made a mistake, everybody laughed and was fine. It didn't really matter. Uh, I find that for the virtual ones, I, I can't survive. I can't do them. My brain freezes unless I have copious notes and I've really figured it out in advance and it's really stressful. Um, so I, I don't know if you have any advice about how, what, what, why, why is it so different and, yeah, and you know, how do I make it easier? Yeah, and it's interesting because I think some people um, find it more difficult and some people, I've also got the uh, contrary story from mm. some people that they find it easier because they actually hate ad-libbing and they love being able to have their notes that people can't see. So it's really interesting that, again, when we hear these things with speakers, I'm always like, it's whatever issue you're having, no problem. There'll be tons of other people that do too. And if you hear other people saying, oh, but I love doing it online, like don't feel like you're then inadequate. It's just you you need to find the solution that works best for your strengths, your personality type, how you like to engage with humans. So really good to be really honest and be really practical and be like, why do I find this challenging? What is it that's hard for me about it? And if you were going to boil it down into two or three things, what would you say about why you like, why do you think you find it more stressful? There's no feedback. Um, yeah. and I, I, maybe maybe it's maybe it's from a slightly traumatic experience I had before COVID years ago, where I did I did an online seminar and yeah. I had my slides and I it was an hour and I did the talk and then afterwards the host or the the organizer came on and said oh you'll need to do it again because you didn't share your screen yeah yeah <laughs> oh my goodness uh, I feel that pain yeah oh yeah so, so I did the whole bless I did an hour right the whole thing yeah. without sharing the slides um, yeah. So I'm I'm always I'm always kind of freaked out that you know mm. okay but have I actually shared stuff I mean even yeah. even now recording this podcast I can't tell you the number of times that I've literally looked at the screen going okay I'm definitely yeah. recording it yeah <laughs> no, but that that's great and it's so helpful to talk through those things because again that's what I do with speakers is because we will understandably because the kind of speakers that I work with are brilliant people who are um doing other fantastic things with their life like they have you know demanding jobs and families and lives that's who I like to work with I'm not working with people who spend all day thinking about public speaking that's my job mm. I do <laughs> 
So often there isn't the time then to deconstruct these things. But when we do, we're like, oh, actually, when I have the time to talk through this with them, whether it's a coach or a colleague or, you know, five minutes to brainstorm it myself, we get to like deconstruct. Oh, why am I feeling more stressed about this than ad-libbing? Oh, because I had this experience where actually I didn't know until the end that my screen wasn't sharing or I'm worried it's not going to record. But what we then get to do with speakers is like, yeah, fair comment. Like it's understandable why if that's happened, we would feel. Uh, more concerned. And I'm always then a, a big fan of how we make things simpler and easier for ourselves. So then we can be like, okay, if I was just going to treat this like it's, um, you know, some bug in something or a glitch, how would I go about solving it? I'd be like, okay, like, like we did at the start of this podcast, we had a little tech check before we started so that we can check with someone and verify, yes, the mics are working. Yes, it's this. Okay. I want to build that in as an ask for any future event that I do, whether it's suggested to me or not. The host may take me through those things, but if they don't, then I'm going to. Okay. What am I going to do? We always look at the worst case scenarios. What am I going to do if actually you know, let me go to that place in my brain. I do this thing. It hasn't recorded. What then? And we'll answer it. Okay. Like, yeah, that would be embarrassing. I'm going to have to potentially go back to the guest and say, are you prepared to re-record? And, but these things do happen. Like I, I do also, yeah. um, a guest on podcasts, I run my things like there's been things where I've had to go back to people and say, I am so sorry, but actually this, can we do this? And once you've been through it, it's not the, the desirable solution, but it's the same as a, a live event. Often we have the sense that we kind of, well, I always train people to expect things to go wrong. <laughs> I expect, you know, there to be glitches or the tech to be a bit off. We rehearse and we plan. So in the hopes that we don't. So we're not saying be unprofessional, but we have got that thing. It's a live event. Same though, when we're engaging with any tech, it is uh, true that tech sometimes goes wrong. I've had things too, where things haven't changed. Even a guest I um, recently worked with, he uh, found that through no fault of his own, he was um, doing a recorded event that was then going to be shared on YouTube. And something happened with his computer in the way that things do and his screen stopped sharing. And what it did was pull up everything that was on his desktop. And that oh. was his tax reports at the time. Uh-huh. So it's like, it happens. It happens. So it's then what do we do? So then, but then if you know, it's like, okay, worst case scenario, I go back and actually I need to ask the organizer to edit that out. That's not appropriate information to have on YouTube for my talk. Um, we can take our brain through. This is what I will do um, if things do go wrong. Like we will solve it. And it's, it's not a correct expectation to assume that we can always hit 100%. Things will happen. And what matters then is how we show up as a speaker to solve it. And we'll also give ourselves the best chance of uh, addressing the things that worry us. And it's also real what you're saying, like not being able to get those reactions. For some people, they find it easier because they find it actually quite overstimulating being in, an, in a room with lots of people and having that buzz and seeing those faces. They find it easier to be calm, to focus, to use their notes. Other people... And I would include myself in this batch. I actually really prefer to be able to see people's reactions, mm. be able to see their expressions. So it's just noting that and going, okay, knowing that about myself, what's the things I can practically do either to check in more and get more reactions? Are there any ways that I can do that? Can I work with a co-host and see them on the screen so that I've got someone to bounce off? Or do I just have to deal with the fact that actually I can't? And the part that I can control is I'm going to give myself an extra few minutes before I start just to really like do some grounding exercises, which take like two minutes and often we don't do, or like take a, like a long exhale and then an inhale and an exhale and an inhale just to like really settle myself or do 
you know, five jumping jacks if I want to energize myself. What can I do? Like in, I'm talking like three to five minutes, not a big sort of rigmarole that puts me in a better position to show up with the amount of energy that I want to, and then know that I'm still going to be facing that thing where I'm actually, I'm looking at a black screen or, um, you know, a, a portrait of myself, or I'm going to see like these little boxes of other people or nothing because it's a webinar and I'm just going to be trying to see the chat. And the last thing right. I'll say on that yeah. is just always, um, ask, I get speakers to ask themselves and I will also ask this question is just how can I, given this set of circumstances, make it at least 5% easier for myself or 5% more fun for myself or even 10% easier or more fun? Because sometimes I'll find people in trying to do a really good job and being professional. They work with lots of high achievers, lots with brilliant people. They will just pile on the demands and the expectations on themselves. Amazing if that leads to growth, but often there'll be solutions like almost in front of their nose that they can't see because they're just trying to do a fantastic job. Whereas I'm like, I want to do a great job and can I make this more fun and easy for myself? So um an example of yeah. that is that I will ask uh, if it's an appropriate size group, I will ask a co-host to come on and keep an eye on the chat for me. So yes, I can develop the skill of being able to speak and watch the chat, but I, I can also benefit from having a colleague who wants to get more experience in uh, events come and be monitoring the chat for me. And if I miss things, then um, he or she or they will throw questions out to me and enjoy coming on and being the co-host and it makes my life easier. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot. Okay, there's a, there's a lot. There's, a, there's there's kind of there's a lot of suggestions there. I think yeah. um, some of them I could definitely use, right? So, this, yeah, just realizing that um, where you draw your energy from, being mm. conscious of where that comes from, whether whether the modalities are different, right? If it's in front of a live audience, and if that's what you use subconsciously, then you're going to have to replace that with someone something else, or or totally, or do jumping jacks or whatever, like you said. Um, the co-host thing is is really. Yeah, that's a really great idea. Uh, a previous guest of mine, we were talking about uh, Twitch oh. streaming. And she was saying that um, the uh, uh, Salah Alam Naylor is her, is her name. She was saying that um, what's really helpful for her now that she has a big audience is um, she she has kind of moderators in her community that will help her moderate chat. Yeah, because it is it is just there's just too much going on when you're trying to live code at the same time um so you don't have to do it all on your own i think that's another no. that's kind no. of a big tip isn't it absolutely um, yeah in, in terms of sorry in terms of the way that um virtual events are run at the mm. moment um do you think we as an industry are doing a good job do you think they could be designed differently is that something you help with it is yeah and um it's really mixed and I think the biggest uh, area where I find myself challenging people and with good intent is on trying to reimagine how events work. And when we entered COVID and people who were used to being just primarily live events moved online, trying they was trying to replicate uh the amount of time that people would listen to talks. They were just basically trying to take what was something that's live and put it online. And that is an issue, I think, because we always want to be designing for the medium that we're presenting in. So in the same way, 
that uh, TikTok has its limitations of how yeah. people will watch a video, like that's real. So if like there's a, a form that's kind of being imposed by the media and also expected by the audience, and that's what we need to work with. And I think with online events, it's tricky because we're sort of in this area where it hasn't been totally defined. And even saying online events, something that's on Twitch will be very different than, um, you know, someone who it's actually still their, you know, annual company meetup meet with keynote speakers that they've paid to come and do an inspiring speech and this, or if it's actually something where it's like, we, you know, we've got three tracks running still and we're expecting our audience and we're offering 450 talks across this many days, across this, like it, it's, there's um, a very wide span of what events can look like. But what I do when I work with event organizers as a consultant is I'm really trying to get them to be realistic in a good sense about audience attention span. And I am someone who also loves to be incredibly optimistic and loves to be very visionary and loves to be very creative. So it's not that I'm trying to, I mean, you know, be a, a pessimist or spoil their vision, but I do think you always need to be thinking about audience. Like it's the absolute primary focus. And, and it sounds so obvious to say, but it so often gets lost. So even like on a on a mini term when you were talking about emceeing, I often get speakers to try to imagine that audience if they can't see them, imagine the kind of people who used to be in that room, who they're speaking to, whether it's someone who's 23, who's this, who's what, so that we start to really humanize it and personalize it. The same for event people. I say, imagine your audience really realistically and like what are you like when you go to events? I'm someone who loves public speaking and is fascinated by the form. And still I will have emails coming in. Yeah, yeah. I will have a phone and be receiving a text. You know, I, I will have a partner who, you know, I'm, I might hear cooking in the next room. I might have the postman knocking on the door. And and there, it is a real, it's a genuine thing, like the fatigue of looking at a screen when we're in an area where there's potentially so many other distractions. So we'll be saying, you know, design for reality, design for an audience that if the laptop is how they're now receiving it, it is not the same as having an audience sat in, you know, a, a seat looking at a stage with lighting to focus our attention, slides to focus our attention, potentially the house lights down, you know, removing even the distraction of the people sat next to us. It's not the same. So we really need to be designing online events for that and questioning all base assumptions. So even like I work with lots of tech companies and I will work with a speaker who then gets invited to come and say and do a webinar that's at a conference. And it's like, for some reason, it's 60 minutes. Like why this arbitrary length of time? In the same way you could question like, why are meeting slots this? We do need to question like, is that the right amount of time for this subject? Could we deliver it in a much more punchy, impactful way in 20 minutes? Would we get a better result if we do? And for people who are designing events, again, I say like, really be thinking about that real person on the other side and how we can make it a great experience for them. Like, let's not overwhelm them with choice. Um, because then if we do, sure, we might be able to say 450 talks that you can come to across this. It's like, that looks great if choice is what's being valued but actually then if they come and there's lots that aren't a very good quality or you know that aren't well organized and there's then you you can potentially turn them off your whole conference so it really is about uh, curating uh, i think upping the quality to the highest level that we can making it worth people's time because just because something's free if it is a free event even doesn't mean people aren't paying with their time it feels it feels like yeah it feels like there's a lot to learn from the tiktokers and the uh, yeah. instagram shorts or whatever it is or youtube shorts uh because that's a whole skill set that's yeah. quite professional to do it 
Correct. Right. I mean, I, I see it in my, 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 my teenage kids are just mm. they live in that world. Um, yeah. And I don't, I don't, I don't understand the structures of it or the techniques. Um, that's something to investigate for sure. Yeah. Um, because we're, we're always wanting to deliver what um, is the best thing for that medium. And as I say, I wouldn't still be doing speaker coaching if I didn't think there was still a real need for um, you know, talks that are delivered by humans potentially with slides, but it is then it's like, when is it, when it is a great time to use this form for what we're trying to share with other humans. And sometimes it is, it's like, no, this is such a brilliant way. This will save them so much time if they come to this talk or save them so much uncertainty or complications, because in this talk, I am distilling what it would take them hours to find if they were just trawling through um, random videos or having to piece together these things. Like I'm, I'm presenting for their brain in this space of time, a concept that's going to be so useful to them, or that's going to give them such great insights, or that's really going to inspire them and give them practical ways forward into the next steps that they need to take. But I'm just, again, that's why with speakers, I, what, I'm always really practical. So we work with like a value time wheel. So we take however long their talk is going to be, whether it's 10 minutes, 15, 20, 30, whatever it is, we draw out that wheel of time. And then we make sure that for each section of the talk, like you talked about your three sections with you, I'd want to go through and say, how much time are you allocating to the first one, the second one, the third, and what's the value that we're delivering right. to the audience right. for each of those so that they come away being like that. I'm so glad I spent that 40 minutes doing that. My goodness. Like I'm so inspired. I know exactly what I want, how I want to think about that. That gives me such an insight that would have taken me six hours to do on my own. Like we want them to come away feeling like they've had a great experience, time really spent well and delivered in a way that's totally makes sense where they're not like oh wish I just read the the cliff notes for that or oh I could have that's again like when one was like oh I could have just had the deck without the speaker and flipped through it twice the speed and been much better off and then, no, we yeah, don't want yeah. that yeah yeah I know we know we know that experience Danielle there is one final thing I wanted to ask you about which um uh I find I find re- kind of really inspirational cool you, you have this thing called the 100 women project can you talk to us a yeah. little more about, about that yeah, so it's um, called the Hundred Women Project, and I am supporting a hundred women and non-binary leaders to meet their next public speaking challenge, and doing so in a way that's really fun and rewarding. Because so as I mentioned, I work uh, in tech a lot, and I'm sure your listeners will be familiar with some of the challenges that are in that sector and other sectors too, around what diversity looks like in many different respects. Um, This is one angle that I'm really committed uh, to making changes in. I have been for years working with companies, but still it's uh, an issue that still needs more attention. So like, well, I'm always like, well, what can I do practically? So my practical thing is that I have made a program that's um, for the first time specifically for you have to be either uh, a woman or a non-binary speaker to come into the program um, because I have limited time and attention and energy too. And within that program, then I'm, I'm going to help the speaker. And I've already started with working lots of brilliant women on this to identify what the next great public speaking challenge is for them. And it's looking different for uh, the different candidates. So for some of them, they're going to be uh, taking on the role that like you're talking about emceeing. They're going to be yeah. moderating 
creating some uh, amazing online panels and that's going to be the next thing they do because that's the next best challenge for them. For some, it is developing a new talk in an area that they're super passionate and interested about, but still are doubtful about whether they can claim that authority or expert status. And that's what's been holding them back for some because they have such uh, busy lives. It's a way of having that focus time and I can help them accelerate that progress because they're like, I know I want to do this. It's so hard to make time to do it though. I, if someone asked me to come speak, then okay, but I, I don't have, you know, I feel like I don't have the time to commit to this. It's like you'd have a personal trainer at the gym to help you through that process in a really expedient right. way so they can then be like, this is how I want to share this idea and these are the new opportunities that I'm going to match it to and I'm proactively going to go after. And also it's a really uh, safe space for people to come and in the same way that you're saying, like, I find this really stressful. To be able to say, like, I'm struggling with this. I find this stressful. I had this experience that didn't go well. And just to work through all of those things and be like, no problem. All of them, are, we've got really practical solutions. We can figure out what's going to work for you. It's really tailored. And then they can go out and be more visible and be seen, be heard and do that amazing amazing advocacy that's so valuable to all of us. And how, how does it work? I mean, how, how does it work? You, you don't get a hundred people together in, in one room, I'm guessing. It's no. more yeah. smaller groups. Or... Yeah. So I do, when I work with companies, I often do, te- I do do team training. So I do work in groups, but this one purposefully because of the kind of women that I'm working with, I've put it as a one-to-one coaching program, which I haven't okay, done okay. for a while because I've been operating with companies in different ways. But this one, it is uh, exclusively one-to-one so that it can be as fast and tailored as possible for those speakers. So I'm going to offer it until I've uh, worked with those hundred speakers. And then uh, I probably need to close the program and reimagine it in a different <laughs> way. Okay, so there's, it still, is there's, a still, spots, there's still spots left though, right? There's, there's people, what, can there's, people can still sign up. Yeah, I only opened it in um, mid-July. And okay, I'm running it until the places are filled. So it's been really lovely to see the response. Um, and I've designed it purposefully. And again, I've I've designed it this way so that it fits with lots of the issues that we see so that individuals can come. Often people will have their own like personal learning budgets if they work within a company and they want to be able to come and use it for this. So they, I've made it really easy to do that. And I've also made it so that companies can send up to five candidates who met that, who fit that profile to come through the program. So again, it's an easy way. I work with lots of HR departments and different managers, and this just makes it really streamlined. It's all laid out as a program so they can come and do it. And um, everyone will have uh, five sessions to use, which is like a really practical amount to go from. I'm not quite sure. I kind of think I want to do this. Maybe I want to do this. I don't know. Can you help me? Like clarifying what that goal is through to actually succeeding and meeting that goal in a one-to-one way. Marvelous. It, sound, it, it does sound. It does sound really, really cool. And uh, remote, remotespeakercoach.com, I guess, is where they. That's where they right. Can find yeah. You. <laughs> Remotespeakercoach.com is where you can find what I offer, which for companies, um, I focus on primarily on team training, but also we do put that together with one-to-one coaching programs where uh, I have the availability and can help them. But it's it's targeting some of the things that we've talked about today, like how do you structure things? How do you deal with nerves? What about this? So I offer um, different, like ask a speaker coach sessions, things that are to do with structuring, things that are to do with storytelling, which comes up a lot with technical talks. Like they will Mm. have, um, they'll be asked from different places to make their technical talks more engaging or to bring yeah. in story. Yeah. But then the word is used in this really general way. It's like, but how, how do I, I do know. that? So, um, it's really, <laughs> I'd, really I'd, I'd love to, and I'd love to continue <laughs> talking about it because that, because that, yeah. that, that again is one of the ones that uh, I struggle with, but yeah, unfortunately, we would be here all day. Danielle, thank you so much. This has been, yeah, super wonderful. A lot of 
practical takeaways for me and I hope for our audience as well. Thank you. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks so much. Wonderful. You can find the transcript of this podcast and any links mentioned on our podcast page at voxgate.com slash podcast. Subscribe for weekly editions where we talk to the people who make the developer community work. For even more, read our newsletter. You can subscribe at voxgate.com slash newsletter or follow our Twitter at Voxgate. Thanks for listening. Catch you next time.